This is the Bartender Journey Podcast. Hey, it's Bartender Journey Podcast number 132. My name is Brian Vincent Weber. This is the podcast that talks all about bartending and cocktails and spirits. Thanks for joining me today. Today on the show, we're going to talk to Elizabeth Pierce, and uh, she works with the Sazerac brand. Sazerac uh, is a company, is a cocktail, it's a, as you know, and uh, it's a company that owns uh, a large amount, it has a huge portfolio of uh, bourbons and uh, other things, but uh, they're actually making a rye whiskey now, Sazerac rye whiskey, which makes a great Sazerac cocktail, and we're going to make Sazerac cocktails and find out the proper way to do that, and uh, so everything everything's in the interview you we do the uh, book of the week we're going to talk about elizabeth's book we do the cocktail of the week that's in the, in the interview too uh the sazerac cocktail of course we have a little uh, lesson on making sazeracs and uh there's a video of our conversation too which i'll try to remember to post up on bartenderjourney.net along with the uh posting that goes along with this show show number 132 so if you're looking for these show notes to go along with this show with this particular episode just uh go to bartenderjourney.net and uh if you have if if you have any trouble finding it at all, there's a Google search bar on the upper right hand side and you can type in 132 or type in Sazerac and you'll uh, you'll find the posting that goes along with the show. And uh, I'll have the official recipe, the official Sazerac recipe from the uh, Sazerac company and uh, we'll have that video and uh, there'll be a link to Elizabeth's book. And uh, by clicking on any of those links, the Amazon links on bartenderjourney.net, you help out the show just a little bit. And uh, it doesn't cost you any extra, but Amazon kicks back a little bit uh, to help support the show and pay the bills around here for the Bartender Journey podcast. On bartenderjourney.net, you can also find our tip cup page and that's uh to support the show anything you'd like to give whether it's uh you know the price of a cheap beer or uh, an expensive cocktail or if you want to do it once or if you want to do it monthly that would be awesome but uh anything you care to give would be greatly appreciated to help um, help support the show and help help pay the bills as i said all right, so we're going to jump right into the interview with Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth Pierce, and uh, she works with the Sazerac Company, as I said, and uh, she also does, uh, well, we're going to talk about Sazerac cocktails, we're going to talk a lot about New Orleans history, uh, in particular New Orleans cocktail and drinking history. So we have our book of the week and our cocktail of the week right inside the interview. So the only thing left to do at the very end will be our toast. That'll be at the very end of our show. We do a toast every week. So stay tuned for that. All right, let's talk to Elizabeth. We had a little trouble connecting over Skype, but uh, we finally worked it out. (laughs) Nice to see you again. Nice. Wow. Okay, the internet. So for people listening, what happened, we were trying to connect for the last half hour or so, and uh turned out the modem wasn't plugged in on, on your end. But hey, hey, these things happen. No, it wasn't. It, it had, well, you know, <laughs> it, it was, it had become accidentally unplugged, uh, not to my knowledge. <laughs> uh, but this is good well, for but- all of your listeners, all of your listeners, always check to make sure that in fact, everything is plugged in. Exactly. Well, my guest today is Elizabeth Pierce, who's uh, your second appearance on our show. Great to see you again. Nice to see you, too. And there's been uh, some changes since uh, since I last talked to you. Now you're working for the Sazerac Company. Uh, yes, I work with them. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably the correct preposition. Mm-hmm. So I'm their education specialist for their historic brands of Herb Saint and Peixos. And sometimes that means I get to talk about Sazerac Rye and uh, some of their other whiskeys as well. Hard times. Yeah, 
Sounds like a good gig. Good gig. You broke up a little bit there earlier. Uh, you were saying you still have your company Drink and Learn and do the drinks tours. Doing tours and uh, telling stories. Of New Orleans. Of New Orleans and the South and, and the United States to a degree. Cool. Well, New Orleans, uh, when, when we first met, that was my first trip to Tales of the Cocktail. Now I, now I have three under my belt. Got to tell you, the, the, that city really grows on you, you know, especially being from New York originally. You know, uh, I love the diversity and, and the, uh, the the great hospitality and the, and the great uh, eating and drinking culture mm-hmm. in New Orleans. Well, I hope that some someday you're able to come not during Tales. Um, I feel like experiencing for a bartender uh, or someone in the spirits industry, experiencing New Orleans is kind of like experiencing New Orleans only during carnival. And and I say this as somebody who, who adores, I adore the carnival season. I love, you know, Mardi Gras is my high holy day. I love to costume all of that, but that is, um, it is its most excessive self. Right. And uh, Tails is kind of the same way. So yeah. you should come and experience New Orleans when you aren't running into every bartender from across the country <laughs> that you've been meaning to talk to, yeah. you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, That's true. But, you know, the, Tails does give you the opportunity to, uh, you know, to wander around the whole, pretty much the whole French Quarter and even outside. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, even though it's an action-packed uh, week, you know, you, I, I feel like you do get to experience the culture. It's so cool that, you know, all the events are out at, at the bars and stuff, you know. And I Yes, absolutely. Un- unlike most uh, conferences, you're not trapped in – um, one hotel, uh, ballroom or, the you know, the convention center. center. Yeah, center. I, I said, I said to Anne, I said to Anne Tuneman once, I said, I'd just like to, uh, thank you personally for not doing this at the convention center, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hey Elizabeth, I'm going to just hang up and reconnect because we're having stuttering inner, you know, it's kind of bad connection. So let's just try to reestablish this call real quick. Okay. Hey. Hey. All right. So maybe uh, that'll be better. I hope so. So let's talk about the history of the Sazerac cocktail. So uh, for those folks listening uh, that don't know, the Sazerac is the official cocktail of New Orleans. It is not the official cocktail of Louisiana. The state of Louisiana is heavily divided. There is a line um, dividing north and south. And south of I-10 is predominantly Catholic and wet, historically Catholic. North of I-10 is Baptist and dry. Oh, I didn't know and, that. Yes. And so um, certain northern Louisiana legislators didn't think that it was appropriate for a state to have an official cocktail. And so they, uh, when the bill was originally, or the, the resolution, I believe, was originally um, submitted, it was going to make the Sazerac the official state cocktail. But... They put the kibosh on that, and so instead it is the official cocktail of New Orleans. But appropriately so, mm-hmm. because every ingredient in the Sazerac is connected with the story of New Orleans. Nice. So I was thinking, and I don't know if you have uh, how, how it works, if you want to make the drink. I do. I after, do. if you want to make it and, <laughs> and drink it. <laughs> well, while at the moment, the I'm sipping on some of the Sazerac rye, which we should talk about, too. Um, and then we'll get okay, to the cocktail. So- <laughs> so um, here's here's what's in uh, a Sazerac. You have sugar, uh, or you know, simple syrup, some some version of sugar, Peychaud's bitters, 
rye whiskey, Sazerac rye, if you can get it, a rinse of Herb Saint, uh, H-E-R-B-S-A-I-N-T, and a lemon twist. Mm -hmm. A lot of folks aren't familiar with the fact that really the, the wealth and the history of New Orleans is based upon sugar. And the reason that everybody out there intuitively knows that, even if you haven't uh, thought about it too much, is it's why we play the sugar bowl here, right? Mm. So sugar was the crop, uh, just like the orange bowl, that's Florida. Texas has the cotton bowl. Georgia has the peach bowl. Mm. So that's been all, when all the bowls were named for the crops that were being grown okay. in that area. And sugar really doesn't just make New Orleans New Orleans because of the money, but also it's because we were able to grow sugar because of a group of people that came here that, that also transforms the city. And that's a big group of folks from what is now Haiti, but at the time was called Saint-Domingue. So uh, Saint-Domingue was the largest producer of sugar in the world. Uh, in the all through the 1700s, very very small island, huge output of sugar, and they were controlled by France until the late 1700s when they had a slave revolt, and all of those French-speaking Catholic sugar makers left Saint Domingue and ended up coming to New Orleans, which was the closest uh -huh. French-speaking Catholic port. And um, so New Orleans touts itself as this French city or even European city here in the United States. But in fact, we are as much of a Caribbean city because oh. we had um, over 10,000 refugees coming into a town that at the time only had about uh, 40,000 people. Wow. So it's just this huge cultural demographic shift. Yeah. So these folks, bring, making sugar was a very tricky process. And anybody who's cooked with sugar, you know that you can, it can go from um, melting you know, to make simple syrup. Uh, if you keep cooking it, it'll caramelize and then it can burn. So if you want to um, take the sugar cane and turn that into a granulated product, you have to have the, the know-how. Yeah. And so yeah. they bring that knowledge. But to make sugar, it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of money. It takes a lot mm -hmm. of capital. Mm -hmm. um, and if you're fleeing a revolution, you don't really have time to pack equipment. <laughs> <laughs> so right around the time that they show up, uh, it was the Louisiana Purchase. And all of uh, New Orleans and, and a big chunk of the rest of the United States uh, joins the United uh, – we join the United States. So you have all of these Americans come down. And keep in mind, Haiti – the largest producer of sugar, not making sugar anymore. So there's a real lack of it in the market. And so you have all of these forces kind of colliding wow. uh, to make New Orleans the major, or Southern Louisiana, the major supplier of sugar for the whole U.S. <laughs> and so that's ingredient number one, sugar. Right. And that is right. a big part of the story of New Orleans. Mm -hmm. But with those folks that come, uh, all the folks from, from Saint-Domingue, from Haiti, uh, there's one in particular who is um, beloved by bartenders everywhere, and that man was Antoine Amade Pecho. So Pecho arrived here as a boy, and um, his family were pharmacists and doctors down in San Domingue. And um, I always presume, uh, I, I never assume that anybody knows anything about bitters. Uh, people come on my tour sometimes and they say, what's a bitters? Mm -hmm. So uh, for those of you that aren't sure, uh, bitters in the 18th and 19th century were a kind of medicine. So you would have a base of alcohol and it would be infused with whatever 
herbs and botanicals they thought would do you good. Mm-hmm. And there was no big pharma back then, no w- drugstore chains. Right. Every pharmacist made their own kind of medicine. And um, Peixot's uh, family had a bitters recipe, which was a tonic for your stomach. And um, Peixot grows up, because of course, back in the 19th century, whatever your dad did, that's what you did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he becomes a pharmacist and he opened a pharmacy in New Orleans in 1832. And uh, for those of you who are coming down for tales or some other time, uh, it was on Royal Street between Conti and St. Louis across the street from what is now the Supreme Court. And okay. uh, it's an mm-hmm. antique guns and swords um, and coin store. So you mm-hmm. can see what his pharmacy was. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so now you have, you have sugar, money, Caribbean, uh, represented in Peixot. So we're there so far. <laughs> I, I, I can obviously say, like, I can just keep going forever. I want Well, I want to start making my uh, Sazerac. <laughs> so we're going to... Uh... Reset the microphone a little here. So every week uh, on the show, I do a uh, cocktail of the week and a and a book of the week. So uh, why don't you why don't you why don't we have your book be the book of the week? Tell us about your book. Oh, thanks, thanks. Uh, so it is the French Quarter Drinking Companion. My co-authors and I visited a hundred bars in the French Quarter, and we wrote a short story about what happened to us in each one. It is not a uh, it is not a book of reviews per se. We did not think it appropriate for us to tell you <laughs> what's good or bad. These are very fluid words in uh, if you're drinking in the quarter. Right. Instead, so it's not that one to a hundred best worst. <laughs> Instead, it's organized by category, as you know, because you have a copy of it, mm-hmm. right? Did yeah. we say yeah? We organized it by category because if you're drinking in the quarter, it's based on need. Um, did you just get engaged? Did you just get mm-hmm. laid off? Mm-hmm. Do you want to dance on, on Bourbon Street? Right. Do you need to forget your name? <laughs> so we have categories of iconic bars, uh, neighborhood, Bourbon Street, live music, hotel, dive, hipster, uh, all the different kinds of places that you can drink. There's no and hipster we, bars, are there? Yeah, there is a few. Um, <laughs> so we wrote a short story about what happened to us in each one. So it's a right. hundred stories chronicling drinking from the very high to the very low and everything in between. Nice. Yep. It's a cool book. And uh, all right, so we're going to move on to our cocktail of the week. You're making yeah, a, you're exactly. making making my uh, job easy today, doing all the work for me. Oh, <laughs> oh, I'm happy to do that. I'm sorry I can't reach through this uh, computer and make the drink for you. All right, well you can uh, you can assist. I've got my uh, sugar cube in my old fashioned glass, right? Mm-hmm. And I've got a second old fashioned glass just with ice in it, right? Yes. Right. Off to a good start. So I'm going to put. All right. Uh, so. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the uh, approved recipe is four dashes. Of pastry bitters. Um, but I also believe that, um, you know, dashes can vary depending sure. on how full uh, or empty the bitters bottle is. Mm-hmm. I strongly approve of people having their own tastes uh, and deferring to your palate about what you like to drink. Mm-hmm. And so I love when bartenders pry just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, if I order a Sazerac or an Old Fashioned or a Manhattan or something, that can go so many ways, yeah, right? Absolutely. I one time was giving uh, a Sazerac talk 
to um, a bunch of actually U.S. Bartenders Guild, New Orleans bartenders. Mm -hmm. So I offered amnesty (laughs) and I was like, just tell me how many dashes do you use? Like, what's your go to? And it ranged, no lie, from like three to 11. 11. Which is crazy. 11, I know. But so that is a lot. Um, <laughs> but I, I, you know, I'm cool with like four to six. Yeah. Well, let's, let's say so, four. Um, let's say four. And it, you know, that's going to depend on how much sugar you got in there, too. I mean, this is yeah. one sugar cube is pretty small, really. Um, I am also uh, a, a fan of simple syrup. Yeah. I mean, I think that um, I think it's totally OK, Yeah. especially if you are using your own simple syrup. Sure. And if you're uh, attentive to um, how much you're pouring out, then I don't think there's anything yeah. wrong with it. That's, and, uh, that's I mean, how I prefer to do old fashions. You know, yeah. I, I don't want to serve somebody something that has sugar granules at the bottom. <laughs> right, right. But just because I pulled this from the Sazerac website, so we'll do it yes, this way for, yeah, for today. Um, <laughs> right. So four dashes. Four. Uh, uh, and then uh, uh, um, sometimes people add like a teaspoon of water to help yeah, it dissolve. I think um, or you can let it sit, you know, I for a little a bit. I think that's a good plan. Let's do that. Uh, while you're doing that, I'll catch people up on what's coming next, which is, of course, the spirit. Mm-hmm. So Peixo... Um, would mix his bitters with sugar and cognac medicinally. And everybody laughs when I tell this part of the story, you know, for the average, uh, the average visitor to New Orleans, like, oh, ha, ha, medicine. But in fact, it totally was. We forget that um, there was a time when the only way to preserve food was to salt it, smoke it, and cross your fingers. <laughs> and liquor was uncorruptible. And it was seen as this this magical uh, substance that didn't rot or decay. And, and so and it, it was, was purified, completely... unlike the water. <laughs> exactly. And you could even add it to water to help it keep from going bad. Like if you're on a sea voyage, uh, liquor is amazing. And so there's no reason to not believe that it wouldn't have some kind of medicinal properties. Right. So that's how Peixo was serving his um, uh, cognac and sugar. And, and at this point, I, I do want to note that there is uh, a story floating out there that Peixo invented the cocktail. Yeah. Um, and this is a lie. <laughs> Thank uh, Thank and you. it was a lie. It was a lie that, but I, I'll tell you how, how the lie got started. Mm-hmm. Um, or rather, where it really got its legs. There is a man named Stanley Clisby Arthur uh, who wrote a fantastic cocktail book in the early 40s called Famous New Orleans Drinks and How to Mix Them. And it's a great cocktail book. Okay. Um, but it is not all true. <laughs> uh, or any of them. <laughs> and one of the uh, untruths that got perpetuated, and, and I don't think he started this, but it he certainly became the, the authority. Everybody quoted him, right? Mm-hmm. Is um, Peixo used to serve his sugar, bitters, and cognac in a cup that was used to serve a soft-boiled egg, which would uh, we would call an egg cup. And the French word for this was coquetier, C-O-Q-U-E-T-I-E-R, sometimes there's two T's. And, and all of that, that is true. Uh, and we even have um, images of coquetiers from Peixot's pharmacy. When I say we, I mean the, the Sazerac archives. Okay. So, so that is true. But what Stanley Clisby Arthur asserted is uh, Peixot was 
serving his drinks in the 1830s when we're solidly American. And all these Americans, they couldn't speak French, so they bastardized the word cocktail. They turned it into cocktail, <laughs> and Peshawar's a cocktail. Except um, the word cocktail appears in print in a New York newspaper all the way back in 1806 in New York, and in 18 in New York in Hudson, New York. And the uh, in 1806, little Antoine Peshawar was three years old. <laughs> so <laughs> there is, there's no way that he invents the cocktail. Uh, at all, but he Thank does. You. You're the first oh. person from New Orleans who's ever admitted that. Oh yeah, <laughs> that I've I, met. <laughs> I feel like there's so much truth. There's so much amazing truth in New Orleans. <laughs> you don't need to make anything up, right? Um, so we know that pe- people are uh, ordering Peixos bitters around the city, and one place where they were ordering it was at the Sazerac Bar. Mm-hmm. Originally, the Sazerac Coffee House becomes the bar. And uh, we know it was there because he took out an ad in um, a New York, uh, sorry, in a New Orleans newspaper oh, in the 1850s, okay. saying that you can find Peixos bitters at the Sazerac Bar. Ah. And so um, it becomes so the, this recipe of uh, Sazerac cognac because the bar was named for the cognac, um, Peixos bitters and sugar uh, becomes a thing. Mm-hmm. And so the original drink. Peixos, cognac, and sugar until the 1870s when the phylloxera epidemic sweeps through France, making cognac very expensive because there's no grapes, so no grapes, no cognac. Not to mention the fact that as much as New Orleans is trying, has been trying to hang on to its Frenchiness, um, all these Americans keep showing up and uh, wanting their whiskey and uh, – Things coming from France are obviously heavily taxed, mm-hmm. so cognac becomes very expensive. And the uh, Sazerac Bar changes uh, changes owners, and uh, around that time, the new owner, who was from Maryland and has a hookup with Maryland Club Rye, decides to swap out the cognac, French cognac for the American rye, uh, which is a huge swap, right? Yeah, we know that's a big difference. It's not, it's not like, oh, maybe they won't notice. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's as much as, oh, well, his customer base is changing. Their palates skew whiskey, and they're probably very happy to have this whiskey-based cocktail instead of a, a cognac-based one. Right. So I saw you pour the yep. Sazerac Bry. Yep. The, the, about um, an ounce and a half of that. So for those of you who don't live in New Orleans, you're challenged in getting Sazerac Rye. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't have any. I can't help you. <laughs> but they're working on it. They're trying to – but you, as you know, you can't just make it. Um, it's not like prohibition where <laughs> the color comes from, you know, adding something from a bottle. Yeah. Uh, it has to, in fact, age. And um, but this, uh, as as you know, rye kind of fell out of favor af- yeah. after prohibition and really after World War II. And it comes back, you know, it's coming back. Obviously, I'm saying and things then, all the and bartenders then it kind know. of fell out of fashion again after in like the 80s, I guess you'd say, into, into um, the 90s. Even yes, even right, more so, right. and so, uh, um, but it's making a huge comeback, and it and it's well deserved because I I love rye. I mean, I I, I, I love, love my Manhattan's. I like with rye, not bourbon, and uh, it's a, you really get a sense of the grain, you know, when you're drinking rye, a good rye. Um, I I agree with you, and the Sazerac, the folks at the Sazerac company saw this 
lack of rye in the market and uh, decided to... So Sazerac rye was originally created with the Sazerac cocktail in mind, Mm. that it would play really well with these anise licorice notes coming from the Peychaud's bitters and also from the Herb St. Rinse. But now that there's slightly more of it, um, there are also... (laughs) Uh, you know, you, it doesn't mean Sazerac rye is only good in Sazerac cocktail. I, uh, saw that you were having a sip, you know, as is. Yeah. And, um, it's That's pretty spicy and nice on it, on its own. Yep. Uh, so maybe, maybe there'll be, soon, one day there will be enough Sazerac <laughs> rye for everyone. Uh, every man, meantime. woman, and, well, man and woman in America. Yeah. I <laughs> Uh, child for uh, strictly medicinal. Uh, <laughs> so let's finish our cocktail here. So the uh, we have the second old-fashioned glass sitting with just ice, just to cool the glass mm-hmm. a bit. Yep. We're going to dump that, dump the ice, and then we're going to do our rinse. So I learned a trick the other day from um, a bartender in D.C. He actually poured a little, he did a heavy pour of Herb Saint with the ice. So the herb saint kind of got a little diluted, but it sat in the glass. And so he was, as he swirled it, you know, kind of kept chilling the glass. Oh, that's a good idea. Let's do that. And also saving time, right? Right. Bartenders who want to, y'all are always looking to be efficient. He he just swirled it or did he use a spoon? Uh, you know, he was stirring, yeah. yeah. And then and then he kind of did a little um, t- turn the glass at the end when he was dumping the ice out, which right. I thought was nice. Yeah. Uh, so this last, uh, or this next ingredient, uh, Herb Saint, it was originally absinthe, but and, and New Orleans was probably one of the bigger absinthe consumers um, because we were still kind of hanging on to this French connection. But when absinthe becomes illegal... Uh, a local New Orleans ab- uh, absinthe maker named Marion Lejean decided to um, replace the – well, he couldn't make absinthe anymore. So he changed his recipe to Herb Saint. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he gets rid of the, the wormwood and makes this a substitute. Right. And, and right around the time he's about to launch that product, it's prohibition. <laughs> and so my favorite, uh, my favorite fun fact about Marion Lejean – is that he made it through prohibition 14 years as a pharmacist <laughs> prescribing medicinal or, or dispensing medicinal whiskey yep. to all of uh, New Orleans men, women, and children because it was medicine, right? Right. And he actually got the first permit to distill spirits in the entire South. Uh, and unlike whiskey, which has to age, Herb Saint doesn't. So it was one of the first spirits in New Orleans um, that was, you know, that was made there for for New Orleanians after Prohibition. Right. So I'm going to do a, a quick summary. What you got? You have sugar, tremendous wealth, right? Economic power. Mm-hmm. You have the Caribbean influence in Peixos bitters. We're a French city drinking French cognac, becoming an American city drinking American rye. And uh, Marion Lejean, I think, represents a couple of things. You have the taste of debauchery, which is absinthe. And you also uh, have the the pharmaceutical benefits of whiskey and alcohol that he was able to dispense uh, during Prohibition and that which bartenders are able to continue to dispense today. (laughs) So there you go. Cheers. Cheers. The official Here's cocktail. Thanks so much, Brian. <laughs> mm. I wish I could reach through and, um, you know, have a sip. Yes, I wish I was making two of these. One for you, one for me. 
<laughs> now the, I always find it interesting that uh, it never actually is in the ice. The the um, the glass is chilled, but the liquid never really touches the ice. The liquor never t- touches the ice, so it's served to be sort of, sort of room temperature. And, and also, it's not. It's also not very diluted. Um, right. Yeah. I I assume that well the quality of cocktails and the cocktail cultures certainly. Uh, rising very quickly, you know, let's say over the last five or seven years. But um, I imagine that it's accelerated so much more in New Orleans because of Tales of the Cocktail. Yeah, I think that um, so New Orleans was always a town where you could get you could still get an old fashioned or a Manhattan, um, you know, those drinks that your grandparents drank, yeah. for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. So we we held out in that department, I think, a little more than uh, other cities. And I attribute that to how much of the city's identity is tied into hospitality. Right. And, um, and you know, tourists, visitors, and really wanting to um, – up and, and tradition. Like this is a, a, a city that does not let go of its history uh, – easily and uh, frankly a lot of our history is tied in with our drinking um so i think that that's why those uh classic cocktails uh were able to kind of hang in there um even as they were buttressed by the winds of uh the apple teeny and you know the mudslide or whatever Mm -hmm. but um but i've definitely seen um an increase in just the sheer number of places that you can get a, a great drink. They aren't just the old line hotels, yeah. the, the classic Creole restaurants and bars, um, things are, that feel a little more modern and not stuffy. Right. While, while there is attention to craft, for, there, there isn't the kind of um, stuffiness and standoffishness that I have experienced in some bars around the country where they're super obsessed with, um, the rightness of your order. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, that this, this idea of hospitality and, um, catering to the patron that's in front of you, whoever that person is, is still integral to how people are making drinks in this town. Well, and there, there's a lot of that, know, you know, it, there's a lot of talk about that over the last, you know, year or so that, um, you know, we, we kind of needed that, that stuffiness and that kind of, you know, really returned high quality ingredients. And, and, you know, now, and now the consumers are the, the guests at the bars are, are, more educated and, and, and they know about this stuff so they can, you know, we can kind of move on now you know, now we can have good drinks and have a good time and, you know, and, not, and, you know, get past that. You know what I mean? Well, yes. Yes. However, no. <laughs> as, I, as I totally somebody, say the other side of the coin. I mean, I know what you're somebody saying. Somebody who makes a living teaching people because the name of my business is drink and learn. Right? right. So I am a teacher, uh, as someone who makes a living teaching people about, uh, drinking history there are a myriad of ways to educate the patron that's in front of you. And some bartenders are frankly just nicer about it than others or better about it. And when you make people comfortable, uh, like I, I'm friends with Matt Sider who runs a bar sanctuary in St. Louis and they don't carry any big brands, but anytime somebody comes in and orders, you know, 
I don't know, Crown and Coke or Tanqueray and Tonic or something. And, and they don't carry that. They'll say very nicely, you know, we don't have that, but here's a spirit that, um, has the same kind of profile or try this. And if you don't like it, you don't have to pay for it and you don't have to drink it. So, um, I, I certainly, um, applaud and believe in the return to, um, having high standards that, uh, that everybody, everybody can rise to or can, uh, strive for, Mm -hmm. but well, you know, there's friendlier ways to bring people along. It's the whole catch and flies with honey and vinegar. And it probably has something to do with Southern something too, (laughs) that, uh, something my mom sure should be quoting something my mother told me right now. (laughs) But well, going back to the uh, hospitality element of New Orleans, I I forget if I told this story on the, on the show before, but, uh, this past year at tales, I was, we're wandering around and looking for a bar that I'd never been to before. And, you know, I'm looking at the phone and, you know, looking around and then a homeless guy comes up and says, perhaps I can be of some assistance. (laughs) That was the coolest thing. Even the homeless guys are hospital pull around here. (laughs) Of course I, you know, gave him a couple of bucks, but I gave him a couple of bucks, but, uh, that's good. He probably would have told you anyway, even yep. without, you yeah, know. Yeah. But it's a, it's so much in the in the blood and the culture down there, isn't it? Hospita- hospitality. It's ha- yeah, it's habit. Yeah. And uh and and so then once it's a habit, you just don't think about it anymore. It's kind of who you are. And um uh, which which I guess is nice because then it means people keep coming back here like you yeah, every yeah, year. Every year, right. <laughs> Well, you're right. I, I should come another uh, another time when it's uh, and another time when it's not July <laughs> might be a good yeah. idea. <laughs> yeah, and it, you should come when it's you're in New York, right? Yeah. Are you in New York? Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. you should come in January. Yeah. <laughs> when you're miserable, <laughs> January, February, when uh, it is entirely possible you might wear shorts. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or at least like one long sleeve, and that's it. <laughs> It was uh, yeah. 28 degrees yesterday morning. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's about 75 right now. Nice, so, nice. Yeah. But in, yeah, in we July, can do that. We can do that for you. <laughs> right. In July, right. you get that. I kept telling people, you got some really hot heat down here. <laughs> I had a woman on my tour the other day from uh, Brazil, but like the rainforest Brazil. And she said, it's not this hot in Brazil. Mm. And I thought, lady, are you sure? She's like, yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, I hope that uh, anyone who's listening, if you have other questions about New Orleans um, drinking history, you're welcome to contact me. Um, if you visit the Drink and Learn, it's all spelled out, Drink and Learn website, you can find me that way if you're coming and come take a tour, buy my book mm-hmm. ahead of time so you can figure out where you want to go drinking. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's the end of my... That's the end of the things I need to say. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, it was great to see you again, Elizabeth. And it was uh, great talking to you. We'll have to make sure we meet up for a cocktail in uh, 2016 in July. Absolutely. <laughs> I look forward to it. And don't forget what I said. Try to come when you're cold and we're not. I will. All right. Thank you again. Thanks. Cheers. Take care. Thank Bye, you. everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. That was fun. Try out that recipe for the Sazerac. It's a great cocktail. Very, very good cocktail. Not the original cocktail. The original cocktail was made in New York. <laughs> hey, I want to tell you about Flavar. They sell great quality spirits online, and they also do these tasting packs, which are fun. And uh, I've got one here. It's five small bottles of whiskey from all around the world, 
and uh, I've got an Irish whiskey, an Indian single malt whiskey. I've got a Japanese whiskey. Can't wait to try that. There's a Scotch whiskey and a Swiss peated whiskey. So that sounds fun. I'm going to try to get my buddy Mike over here to help me drink this stuff. Uh, Mike's been on the show once before, and uh, he's always got something intelligent and interesting to say. Uh, And uh, he used to be my next door neighbor, but he moved away. So I'm going to have to try to get him over here. If I can't get him over here soon, we're going to have to uh, try this. We're going to have to break into this Flavar tasting pack anyway. So head over to bartenderjourney.net and look for that link for Flavar. If you want to get a tasting pack too, hey, if you get the same one, maybe uh, we can taste online. You know, we can set up a Skype call and uh, and do our own little tasting party together through the magic of the internet. What do you say? So anyway, go to bartenderjourney.net and you'll see a link to Flavar. And you'll get $10 off your first order if you use that link on bartenderjourney.net. Hey, check out their app, too. It's it's a pretty cool app. It's not just about buying their stuff. It's about uh, really learning how to uh, evaluate spirits, how to taste. So uh, the Flavar app for uh, iPhone and I believe uh, Android as well. It's great. Check it out. It's free. So look on bartenderjourney.net for the Flavar link. So again, my name is Brian Vincent Weber. Thank you for listening. And we're going to have our toast coming up in just a minute. But first, remember, the website is bartenderjourney.net. Head over there and look for the uh, Flavar links uh, or the Amazon.com links on bartenderjourney.net. You can pick up the book of the week or uh, something else. As long as you uh, go to bartenderjourney.net, click on any of those Amazon links, whatever you buy. will not cost you any extra, but it'll help out the show a little bit. I'd appreciate it. There's also a tip cup page on bartenderjourney.net, and you can help out the show that way. Anything you'd like to give would be much appreciated just to help pay the bills around here, whether it's the uh, cost of a cheap beer or an expensive cocktail, or, and you can do that just once, or uh, you can do it monthly, or uh, give as much as as much or as little as you like. We'd really appreciate it to uh, keep the uh, to pay the bills around here. And if you'd head over to iTunes and leave some ratings and reviews for the Bartender Journey podcast, it'd be much appreciated. And uh, it helps us raise up in the ratings a little bit, helps other people find this show. And you can uh, just search for bartenderjourney.net, click on the ratings and reviews tab, and then uh, leave some stars. Five is the most you can give. And leave a little sentence, say something nice, I'd appreciate it. Uh, Be like Shane Baker. Hey, I met that guy. I went into his bar in Midtown Manhattan, the Irish pub he works at. He's a good guy. So, uh, but he left five stars and he had, he said something nice on iTunes so I appreciate that Shane and I appreciate if uh, you my fine listener would do the same alright it's time for our toast I found a website it's called toastsbook.com and it has tips for effective toasting which I found pretty cool and pretty interesting so uh, we're talking about toasting here and uh, one of his tips for, for uh, toasting was don't get ahead of yourself And he gives an example of when somebody got ahead of themselves with the toast. So this will be our toast for the week. When Queen Louise of Prussia met conquering Napoleon, she drank to him. She said, To the health and kindness of Napoleon the Great, he has taken our states and soon will return them to us. Napoleon bowed and replied, Do not drink at all, madame. Cheers. We'll talk to you next time on Bartender Journey.